Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So guys, this time of the year, it's really an, an exciting time for me. It's a time I, I really like. You know, but also in a sense, you know, it can be for some, you know, the most selfish time of the year. You know, we're looking to ourselves, what we want to improve, what we want to do better, what goals we have. But in a sense, you know, it's also a time of year where there's, there's a lot of hope. You know, just this feeling, you know, of anything is possible. You know, how many cases can one person lose? This is the time of year. Faith. And I just really love it, you know, and, and, and our title tonight not having something to do with weight loss, is let us run, looking to Jesus. And it's a good thing, you know, God also encourages weight loss, also encourages exercise. I mean, I'm just making a joke, but it's really a fun time of the year. And people are setting goals and targets will be reached. This is the year. This is going to happen. And even in the week, I phoned my parents. And at first, they, they don't pick up. It's like, I wonder what, what they're busy doing. Then I phone again after a while, and my dad answers. He's a bit exhausted. Like, hey, Dad, what, what are you doing? No, we went for a walk. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just curious, so I ask, okay, so how long is this going to continue? And my dad, being a very realistic and honest person, surely not too long. <laughs> you know, he knows it's just that time of the year. He loves it as well. He knows he's not going to do it the whole year, but let's also join in. <laughs> People's walking, let's walk as well. Anything's possible. You just have that sense, you know, and I really love it. You know, but for some of us, maybe that's not the case. You know, you're thinking of last year, just made it. Didn't know how you were going to make it through, but, but you made it through. Now, and even this year, from the beginning, it's a battle. You don't have that feeling. That expectation is not there. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm not setting new goals. And it lets me think of this one lady a couple of years back. My brother comes to me laughing and he brings the newspaper. And there's this article about people and New Year's resolutions. Do you still believe in them? Do you still have them? What are yours? How are you going to do them? And a lot of people say, this is what we want to do. This is what we're going to go about it. But one lady, and she's been around the block. She's had a couple of New Year's in her life. She writes, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions because if you have them, it's a sure way to become a disappointment to yourself. Isn't <laughs> yes, also laughed, you know, she's been there. She set the goal. She hasn't reached it. And, and I wonder actually, you know, if, if a statistic would, would to be drawn up about people and their resolutions, how many actually make them? How many keep them? How long does it last? And you know, especially when it comes to faith. You know, like my dad, he's not really serious about what he wants to do. He's, he knows it's not going to last that long. We're just doing it for a while. Everybody's walking, we're walking also. But surely not that long. But when we say, you know, this year, I want to be close to God. We mean that. I want to grow in my spiritual life. Something that we're serious about. You know, this year I want to be so close to God that even when I'm alone, people will think, you know, who's walking there with Vian? 
that's how close I'm going to be to God. You know, this year, you know, I've, I've said it a couple of times, but I want to reach out to the lost. This is that year. I'm going to allow God to use me. Oh, the people who haven't heard, they better watch out because I'm coming. I'm ready. If my parents can walk, what can I do? It's time of faith. You know, maybe that gift. Now, I've read it in the Bible. The Holy Spirit's active. God is a God of miracles. This is the year that God is going to do miracles through me. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to allow him to do that. Maybe for some of us, you know, that sin comes, it goes. It's there for a while, it leaves, and it comes back. But this is the year. I'm going to lay down that sin. It's not going to bother me anymore. That gift that God has given me, I want to use it. Now, we want to to do that. We want to grow in that. So how do we endure? How do we run the race? Not only for this year, but for the rest of our lives. Spiritual journey, it's much more than just 2020. Until the day that we die. And the keys are in the description of the sermon. Let us run looking to Jesus. We want to say like Paul, he was a guy on the board there, 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. At the end of his life, writing to Timothy. And he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, wouldn't we like to say that? Now, I'm sure that that's not a person here that wouldn't like to say that. End of our lives, looking back, I fought the fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. And before we dig into it, you know, just pay attention to Paul's words here. His word choice. I, fight the fight, I fought the fight. I've run the race. He doesn't say I've went for the walk or I watched the movie. No, it's difficult. When he thinks back on his life as a Christian and what he has had to gone through to keep the faith, he says it's been a fight. It's not been easy. It's been a race. I've needed some endurance. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. And maybe to ask us tonight as well, how has your experience been following Jesus? Has it been a race? Has it been a fight? Or has it been more like a movie that we watch? Because make no mistake, the Bible never paints a picture of a passive Christianity. Not once. It's not a spectator sport. But we all have that race set before us. We all have that fight to fight. Nobody's called to sit back and just watch from the sidelines. You know, and the race and the fight is denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. Difficult task. You know, even Jesus, when explaining the cost of discipleship, what it's going to mean to follow him, he says in Luke 9, verse 62, everyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Quite a serious challenge. This is going to be tough. Think well before you begin this race. So how do we endure? How do we make it to the end? I'm going to give us three points tonight. We're going to look at two scriptures in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. So let's read together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And that was Jesus' race, having to come down, living the perfect life, dying on a cross and rising again to newness of life. And also note here, you know, that there's a race that is set before us. It's not something that we choose whether we want in our lives or not. It's already there. You know, like Ephesians said, you know, we were saved for good works planned beforehand that we should walk in them. It's there. So let's look at what we can learn from these two verses. Firstly, verse 1. What is the focus of this passage? We find it here at the end of verse 1. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is the focus of this passage, and this is the action point of the book of Hebrews. This is what the writer is trying to say to those he's writing to. And when we look at the context of the book, the writer is writing to those who are struggling with the race. It's not easy for them. Some have given up. Some have grown passive. Some are facing some persecution, some obstacles in the way. You know, for those who've grown passive, he writes in chapter 5, verse 12, and he says, though by this time, by this time in the race, some of you ought to be teachers by now, but you need someone to again teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Basically saying to them, you guys are on the track, but you're going nowhere. Beware, it's not a spectator sport. When I think about you, you you should have been some distance in by now. You should have built up some endurance, being able to say to those around you, hey, come run with me. Let me show you how we do this. This is how we run. Come run with me. Let me teach you also the way. And to those in chapter 10, they're facing some persecution. And And he's saying to them, in the beginning... You joyfully accepted the plunder of your homes and your possessions because you knew your eyes was fixed on Jesus. You knew what you were running towards. But it seems like you have forgotten. And they're standing there and said, yes, in the beginning we were looking to Jesus. We we jumped over these obstacles, but but now it's getting difficult. We've been a while into the race. We came around the corner. All of a sudden, this wooden thing and this water on the other side I don't know if you've watched files of people jumping over those things. In the beginning, it's quite easy. But yeah, when the legs are wobbly, jump doesn't quite make it. He makes it into the water, but not as gracious over the, the wooden thing. And that's quite what they're facing. You know, we came around the corner, we saw this thing. Nobody told me this was going to be there. How do I get over that? How do we do this? You know, to some early in that same chapter, they've wandered totally away from the racetrack, away from Christ and his bride. And he says, do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. Do not go on deliberately sinning, for then there no longer exists a penalty for sin. No sacrifice left. They've wandered away. You know, tonight, I'm not saying that we are there. I'm saying, how do we guard from that? How do we guard from being passive? How do we guard from focusing more on the obstacles than on Jesus? And how do we guard from totally losing our way? 
And I'm going to share the first point with us now. And just hold on to your seats. This is divine revelation coming your way. You know, and if you don't get it the first while, it's fine. Go home, pray about it. I'm sure God will give you the explanation. But here it comes. Point number one. To finish the race, we have to start running the race. I feel very, very wise when God shared this with me. Now, this is outstanding. And Paul writes, I've, I fought the fight. I finished the race. I've done this. You know, and it sounds simple and it sounds easy, but to ask us tonight, are you running? Are you running or are you spectating? And to help us, how can I tell? How do I know? Maybe you've run a certain distance, but, but you've stopped. How do I know? This is the question. When it comes to this race, when it comes to your spiritual life, who is putting in the most? The scripture up on the board, is this the most scripture you will read this week? Because if it is, beware of growing passive. The worship that we worship just now, is that the only worshiping that will happen this week? And I know it's busy, it's a busy time of year, and there's grace for that, but intentionally, are we worshiping God? The prayers that have been prayed, is that the most prayers that will be prayed in your life this week? Or are you going to go and fight that fight in prayer? Are you going to go and say that word? Are you going to go sit down with God, open His word? So I want to run this race. I don't want to spectate anymore. Are we becoming more like Christ? Are we reaching the lost? Are we making disciples? Because remember, for those who said, you should have been teachers by now. You should have been able to impart into other people's lives by now. But you're not because you're passive. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's not easy. But it's going to be worth it. Very, very worth it. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9. That's why I put the the in capital letters. This is the race to run. Not a race, but the race. And he says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. What I do, I do on purpose. I know where I'm running. I know why I'm running. I fight for the king and his kingdom. And when I run, I run towards him who gave himself for me. I know what I'm doing. To Timothy, he wrote 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. It's not on the board, but you can go and read that in your Bibles. He says, by the prophecies previously made about you, Fight the good fight. Because you know what God has spoken over you. Because you know what the race is that is laid before you. Fight the good fight. Because you know where you are going. And again, it's going to be hard. But worth it. When the obstacles come, are you jumping over them? Are you crossing the hurdles? Or are they hindering you every time? Because there will be hurdles. Now, Jesus himself said, Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, speaking about this race, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Thinking that this Christianity thing is easy, you know, I just have to sit there and watch as people pray and worship God. I don't have to do much. Be careful. That way leads to destruction. Jesus says, enter 
by the narrow gate. For narrow is the gate and hard the life that leads to life. And those who find it are few. There are few people that even find the beginning of the racetrack, even less finish. Maybe some of you are sitting here, yes, Brian, you're not very hopeful this, this evening. Imagine that was the end of the, ser- the sermon. It's going to be tough. We need to endure. Jesus says, a few people find the track, even less finish. Let's have a good week. <laughs> Maybe I'll post that on Facebook or Twitter. When it comes to the Christian life, a few begin, even less finish. Have a happy year. That's not very hopeful. But hold on, here comes the hope, here comes the good news. Although it's difficult, we do not need to do it alone or in our own power. Look at this. Same two verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Firstly, this is a family run. We run this race together. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, if one suffers, all suffer. If one rejoices or is on it, all rejoice with him. We stir one another up to love and good works. We bear one another's burdens. We encourage one another. And let's do that this year. If we see someone, you know, getting dismayed, they're running out of energy, shout to them, run. Just watch out where they are. Maybe, you know, you can feel the dog behind you. You don't need to run away from the dog, but let's run the race of faith. Let's fight the good fight. But let's encourage one another. We don't have to do this alone. Like Paul, he writes to Timothy, fight the good fight. Take hold of eternal life. I'm encouraging you. We're doing this together. Even the writer of Hebrews, he's writing to them and he doesn't say, you run. He says, let us. I'm running with you. I want to do this with you. I know it's difficult, but let us run. And it also guards us to not become like Elijah, you know, throwing pity parties. 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he just comes back from confronting Ahab, defeating the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And he's going back to the city. And in his mind, surely now I've fought the fight. I've won. I'm going to come there. Everybody's just going to worship God. And he comes to the city and it's not so. In fact, they want to kill him. And Elijah runs away and he goes and sits under a tree and he tells God, can I die now? I'm just like my father's. His wife didn't even need to tell him that. He admitted it himself. Just like my father's. Can I just die now? Basically saying, Lord, I want to quit. I don't have what it takes to fight this fight. I don't have what it takes to run this race. And God being patient and kind shows up, says, hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah replies, Lord, I've been zealous for you, but the Israelites, they have broken your covenant. They've killed your prophets, and I, even I alone, am left, and they want to kill me as well. I'm alone, Lord. I'm the only one trying to run this race or fight this fight. And I know we've maybe felt like that as well. And God comes, and he's like, no, stand up. Elijah is there. You're going to go call him. Not only is he going to run with you, but he's going to run farther than you. He's going to continue the ministry. 
There's people that you're going to anoint king over Israel. And there's still 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 people still following me. Yeah, you say you alone. And Elijah feels encouraged. He gets up, goes and gets Elisha, and they continue. Five chapters later, God takes Elijah to heaven. Almost quit. Because he thought he was alone. And God reminds him, you're not. There's those who will run with you. There's those who will fight with you. And I'm with you as well. And like Elijah, a lot of other people finished as well. That is the cloud of witnesses, verse 1 is speaking about. The previous chapter, chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. All of the legends of the Old Testament that has fought the fight, that has run the race. Like Elijah, they're there. And not only are they there cheering us on, witnessing us race, but their life is a witness that it can be done. We can win this fight. We can run this race. Thousands have done it before us. And even after then, modern day times, well not so modern, but after the Bible has been written, C.S. Lewis, C.H. Spurgeon, Charles and John Wesley, Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonke, a lot of people, they've, they've shown us it can be done. And I don't want to read the whole chapter 11, but just the last 10 verses. And just look at these examples. Just look at how this stirs hope and faith. How some have endured and conquered a lot of things. And someone has went through a lot of persecution. Maybe not made it out alive, but they've kept the faith. Hebrews 11, verse 32 to 14. And it says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, or David and Samuel and the prophets, who through their faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might arise again to a better life, knowing where they're running to. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. What faith, what hope. And we look to them and we see what they overcame and what they went through. And we're like, since they finished, since God gave them strength, let us also, let us also lay aside. Let us also run. Let us also look to Jesus. Because if God was with them, he will be with us. If God gave them strength, he will give me strength. If they overcame, so can I. When we read these stories, it gives us hope. It takes us to the second point. We will never have to run alone. And the reason I say have and not will is because you can willfully remove yourself from God and his people. Not a good choice. It's what the writer of Hebrews is saying to those in chapter 10. Do not neglect meeting together. Not because we want to be a big crowd, but we want to help everybody run the race, finish the fight. Not because we want to grow in numbers, 
Even here, it's not about so far. There's a lot of people running this race. There's a lot of people fighting this fight. Our brothers and sisters, and whether they are called shofar, whether they are called lighthouse, whether they are called inchia, doesn't matter. You don't have to run with us, just run with someone. And wherever God leads you to, run with them and continue to run. And to encourage us tonight also, you know, when you read this, don't primarily think about, oh, that's great, all of these people are here to help me. I think you are here to help all of us. Yes, we'll help you. But think about it, I'm here to help. I'm here to encourage. I'm here to say, run, fight, go. Keep the faith. Do not grow weary. And when some of us are going to get tired this year, we'll pick you up, but we're going to run. We're going to move forward. And when persecution comes, you remember that you are not alone. I can't think of a better time to run this race in economic insecurity than with these people around me. The body of Christ. If one suffers, all suffer. If one rejoice, all rejoice. We do it together, but we will run. And when persecution comes and you look to those of old, and you see that some have gone over higher hurdles, some have made it through deeper waters, you can too. You can make it. And even though we run together, and even though we help one another, we don't look to one another for faith for strength, for vision, or salvation. There's another that we look to. That is Jesus. And together our vision is fixed on this beacon of hope. Verse 1. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We look to Him. Yeah, and many of us, we've read this before, we've heard this before. We even know it well. And even tonight, you know, it's easy to see this up on the screen and say, yes, we're going to look to Jesus. But when we are growing tired, when persecution comes, when sin enters the door, it's, it's difficult to keep our focus. You know, especially the enemy, he comes and he wants us to look somewhere else. And Tani Tracy, she said this morning as we were praying, for those really devoted to Christ and Intentionally running towards him, the enemy wants to bring distraction. He wants to bring discouragement. And where does he want us to look? He wants you to look at yourself. Man, I've said it many times, I've heard it many times. This year, I'm going to look at myself, I'm going to find the strength, but this year I'm going to show God I have what it takes. I can do it. I can lay down that sin on my own. Especially when it comes to that, the enemy is saying to you, you know, you can not look to Jesus only after you've laid it down. You can't just go to God. First, run a while. Show God that you have what it takes. Like this year, I'm going to show God I, I have what it takes. This year, I'm going to lay down that sin so God can be pleased with me. This year, I'm going to pray every day. This year, I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to look to myself and I'm going to find it there. Don't do that. It won't work. When I looked to myself, I found myself in a little dark room addicted to drugs, pornography, alcohol, without God and without hope in this world. It's not in there. Don't look there. And even when we look at the heroes of old, which we read about, they tried it too. They, they looked. It's not there. Samson. What happened when he looked to himself? 
didn't even realize the presence of God had left him. And he found himself blind and mute, naked between two pillars while the Philistines were having a party. And at that last moment, he looks to God and says, Lord, I repent. I look to you. Give me strength. God comes through. And he finishes the fight. Runs the race. Does what God has called him to. And where do we find him now? All of faith or fame. David, when looking to himself, what happened? Stayed at home rather than going to help his brothers in arms in army. Committed adultery. Murdered a man, lost a son, divided his family. When looking to himself. And David writes, Psalm 73, Lord, my foot has almost slipped when I looked at the prosperity of the wicked. And then later he says, but when I entered your sanctuary, when I again gazed upon God, I realized my mistake. And I saw again, it's good for me to be near to God. Gideon. When he looked to himself, where was he found? In a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. God shows up. Gideon, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, no, Lord, I've looked inside. It's, it's not there. And he says, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to Christ in you. I'm looking at you that's fixed your eyes upon me and surrendered your life. Mighty man of valor. Won't you do that? Won't you look up? And Gideon accepts the challenge. Defeats the Midianites, 300 men defeating thousands because we look to Jesus. And how does it work? Why does looking to Jesus cast off that sin? Why, do, why does it help endure the race? As we struggle with our sin, as we try and please God, we look to Jesus and we see this, Ephesians 2, 7 to 9. So that in the coming Ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Don't look there, it's not there, you won't find it there. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. And we see the kindness of God as we struggle with sin, and what does Romans say, 2 verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? Another translation says, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. What does repentance mean? It means turning to God away from sin. How do we lay down that sin? How do we lay down that weight that ensnares us? We look to Jesus. And we will be overwhelmed by grace. Seeing his love and kindness. That is a good God. I want to run to him. And as we turn to him, the weight falls off. And I've seen this in my own life. I'm fighting with my wife. Many times I'm the one that's wrong. I'm sitting in my quiet time. Now I want to spend time with God. And God presses that button. Go ask for forgiveness. Me, Lord, but she did this, this, and this. And that's why I... Now going through the whole list. And God is patient to even let you finish. <laughs> and then he's now, no, go and ask forgiveness. It's like, but why, Lord? And then he lifts your eyes to Jesus and he overwhelms you with his grace and his goodness. Yes, I repent, Lord. I lay down my pride. I go to my wife. I'm sorry. 
when I don't want to forgive, God comes, lifts my eyes to Jesus. You've been forgiven much. And it's easy to say, I've been forgiven, I forgive. Easy to say when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Our primarily focus is not not to be like the world, but is to be like Christ, to follow him, to look to him. God doesn't say, don't look at that. He says, look to me. Focus your eyes on me. Even Titus 3, verse 3 to 7, the same thing. It says, for we too were once disobedient, enslaved to various passions and pleasures, spending our days in envy and malice, being hated by others and hating others ourselves. That was us looking to ourselves. And then in verse 4 it says, but when the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's not in there. But according to his own great mercy. Through the washing, regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out onto us lavishly. Through whom? Through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Look to Jesus. That is how we lay it off. That is how we begin to run. What does Paul say? What encouraged this him? To deny himself, take up his cross and follow Jesus. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, I've denied myself. I've taken up my cross. I'm following Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, what is it that compels you? The love of Christ. And he gives this key to the, to, the, to the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. And he says the love of Christ compels us. Because we've concluded that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. So that those who live might no longer live to themselves. But to him. To Jesus who for our sake died and was raised again. The love of Christ compels me. I see that compels you Paul. But what, what's going to allow you to endure? Philippians 1 verse 6. I'm certain that God who began the good work in you, the God who allowed you to start the race, He will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He began it. He will finish it. What an invitation. God is saying, I want to finish the work I've started in you. All I ask is that you look to me. Lift up your eyes. And how does he work that in us? 13 verses later of the same chapter is also not on the board. He says, by your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance, for me to love his Christ and to die his gain. By the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That takes us to the last point. Everyone that looks to Jesus will be overwhelmed by his grace, compelled by his love, and empowered by his Spirit to finish the race. Look to Jesus. And as I was preparing this sermon and going through this passage, I was reminded of Rian, a fellow brother in the faith that was also here a year or two ago. And they went and they did the half Iron Man. I don't know who did it with him. See some people here? No one. Lazy people, they, they don't have that New Year's resolutions like Rian. I would, but I, I'm focused on other things that God has called me to, so <laughs> let me continue. So Rian, he does the half Iron Man, 
and the distance to swim is 1.9 k's. Yeah, but he's not used to the water that they're swimming in. It's quite rough and it's wild. And he, he can't really get a place to fix his eyes. And he's swimming and then he sees, okay, there are the people again. And he swims that direction. Swims there and he swims this direction again. Eventually he makes it out of the water. And he looks on his watch. And instead of swimming 1.9 k's, he swam 3.2. Made it a bit harder for himself. And that is the start of the race. Because he didn't have a clear focus. He didn't have a, a beacon that was fixed. This, this is where I'm heading. And let's not make it difficult for ourselves this year. Let's not get distracted 12 times, you know, once a month, losing focus. Let's not do that. Let's look to Jesus. And when the obstacle comes, don't look at the hill, don't look at the hurdle. Lift your eyes. Look to Jesus. When you are tired, look to Jesus. When that sin weighs you down, look to Jesus. When you don't even know where to start, look to Jesus and just begin to run. And as you run, you will discover that there's those around you that have been running for a while. They know what it takes. They have a couple of kilometers behind them. They can help you. You don't have to do this alone. We run together with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And let's do that this year. You know, let's encourage one another. Run, fight. Just keep on moving forward. Let us run looking to Jesus. Let's stand and pray tonight.